Hey, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Nashville Life. If it's your first time here, my name is Alvin. I serve as lead pastor here at the church. Uh, I'm so glad that you're with us. Uh, we've got a great, great day planned for you. I'm excited about uh, closing out um, a, a great, a great topic that we've been on in the, in the book of Haggai. Uh, before we get into it, I want us to prepare our minds, prepare our hearts for the Word of God, because the Word of God, I believe it's, it's a big deal. I believe it, it's, it makes the difference in our lives. It's the bread of life. It's all that we have. It's all that we need. And uh, let's just say this declaration with us together. Say, the Word of God is the bread of life. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. The more I give life, the more I'll receive. The more I live life, the more I'll believe. In the name of Jesus, amen. Awesome. The series that we're doing is called Zeal for the House. And what it's been doing, it's been stirring up an enthusiasm and a passion for the house of God. And I am so blessed by the book of Haggai. I think it's been such a godsend to, to my life and to our church. Uh, I think I speak for most of us where Haggai isn't necessarily the book that we frequently read, but it's been so on time, and the rest of it is, is going to get even better. So uh, just to give you guys a heads up or a recap on what we've been talking about in the book of Haggai. Haggai covers a time in history when the Israelites were coming out of exile in Babylon, and they had been in exile for 70 years, and they were a fraction of them, not all of them, but a fraction of them decided to go back to uh, their home in Jerusalem. And that used to be such a, a beautiful, glorious, prosperous uh, city. But when they came back to it after 70 years of, of desolation, it, it had turned into a wasteland. It was a desolate city, and it was nothing of what it used to be. And this group of believers were given the daunting task of having to rebuild this city, basically from scratch. And the first thing they started with was with the house of God, the temple. So they started building this. And for about two years, they were excited. They were pretty zealous for a couple of years. And then uh, the enthusiasm started to go down and the distractions and the arguments to why they shouldn't keep building started to go up. And it went about 14 years that they did no work on the house of God. And it wasn't until God sent Haggai to do three things. He, he rebuked them, he corrected them, and then he blessed them. And Haggai rebuked them by basically calling out their priorities. He was like, y'all have been investing in your own personal homes. Meanwhile, you've been neglecting the house of God. And this was not like Israel. This is not how they were taught. They come from the line of King David. King David famously said in, in 2 Samuel, he said, how can I live in this great house and God, you live in a tent? And it was his conviction of, of him being in a, a well-built place and, and God's temple still being in a tent. And that was what motivated him and inspired him to build a temple. So they come from a line of believers that believed that the house of God came first. But after generations, uh, the attitude had really changed. And these people, unlike David, were able to live very comfortably um, without hardly any conviction for 14 years, neglecting the house of God while they invested in their own personal homes. And Haggai came to bring a word from God to tell them that they needed to consider their ways. They needed to repent, and they needed to change their priorities. So the correction was, he said, go up to the mountain and start cutting off trees and getting lumber and bringing lumber down to the temple and finish this house. This house has been at a standstill for 14 years. It's time to finish this house. And they listened to Haggai. It's amazing. They said the leader, then the priest, and then all the people listened to Haggai, and they started to continue this work on the house of God. 
And then he blessed them. He blessed them, and that's what we talked about last week. He blessed them in a, in a very exciting way. He promised them that, that even though it looked like this was way worse than what the temple used to be and what the house of God used to be, and though it's discouraging to feel like you're a part of something that's a fraction of what it used to be, God said the actual truth is that you all are preparing and building a temple that's going to outshine and outglorify anything that you've seen before in the past. He says, I know that you look back and think that I was moving gloriously back then. He said, but the glory of the latter house is going to be way better and way greater than the glory that you've seen uh, from the past. And that's where we ended last, last week. We ended at verse 9, which says, Haggai chapter 2, verse 9, it says, the glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Right? Woo, that's right. It's, 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 it's good news. We ended on a high note last Sunday because that's the word of the Lord, and that still applies today. We can move forward knowing without a shadow of a doubt, not, not according to our, our wishful thinking or our hopes, but according to the word of God, we can stand on the truth that the latter house of God will be greater and more glorious than anything that we've seen, which is saying a lot because there's been some amazing glorious uh, chapters and seasons and moves and revivals in the past, but the Lord is saying that the glory that's to come will make all the other ones, all the other glory in the past pale in comparison to what's to come. So we have that hope. We have that to look forward to. But let's see what he does after verse, after verse 9. I'm going to read Haggai chapter 2, verse 10 through 14, and let's see what God says. On the 20th, 20, sorry, 24th day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Now ask the priest concerning the law, saying, If one carries holy meat in the fold of his garment, and with the edge he touches bread or stew, wine or oil, or any food, will it become holy? Then the priest answered and said, no. And Haggai said, if one who is unclean because of a dead body touches any of these, will it be unclean? So the priest answered and said, it shall be unclean. Then Haggai answered and said, so is this people, and so is the nation before me, says the Lord. And so is every work of their hands, and what they offer is unclean. So, this, is, this seems like an unlikely follow-up to arguably the most encouraging verse in the Bible about the latter house will be greater, and he gets them all fired up. I'm sure you heard some woos, just like we had in this room. And the very next thing he addresses is their sin. It seems like an interesting follow-up after something so encouraging. And I want to call this section uh, the what, then the how. That's what's happening. First there's the what, then there's the how. Let me, let me explain. Let's say uh, you wake up one morning, it's Saturday morning, and you decide to cook pancakes for your wife and your kids. That's the what. I want to make pancakes for my family. That's the what. So the how is, all right, well, I need to make some batter for the pancakes. I need to get the pan out. I need to turn the stove on, get the butter, get all the stuff ready so I can make these pancakes. But then you look at the skillet, and you see that it's the same skillet that the night prior you made stir fry, and you didn't clean it. So naturally, let me clean this skillet so I can make my pancakes. Let me clean the skillet from this savory dish with soy sauce and green onions still in here, and there's still some steak in there. Let me get rid of that so I can make this sweet dish. Let's say your what is, I want to serve my guests some, uh, some lemonade. 
and you open the dishwasher, which happens to me sometimes, where the dishwasher doesn't really catch everything, and you pull the glass out, and there's still some, like, chocolate syrup in there from a root beer float that you made the night before. So you, you clean it out so you can serve lemonade in that cup. It doesn't mean you hate the cup. On the contrary, it means that you want to use the cup. It doesn't mean that you hate the skillet, that you're acknowledging that it's unclean. On the contrary, you want to use that skillet. So it's a very practical thought of let me address this green onion and this soy sauce in this skillet so I can cook my pancakes. The thing about addressing sin is that it's necessary for future use. It's not condemnation. It's not rejection. It's the opposite. I want to use this pan to cook my pancakes, and I want to use this cup to serve lemonade, but there's some stuff in it from yesterday. There's some stuff still in it from the way it was used before that's going to actually conflict with the way I want to use it now. The passage that we see at the bottom, God says not only are they unclean, but every work of their hands is unclean, and what they offer is unclean. The thing about soy sauce in a skillet is it doesn't matter how delicious the batter is. It doesn't matter how well done you made the batter. If you cook it in a skillet where there's stir fry, it's going to contaminate the entire pancake. Your kids are going to be like, why does this taste like Chinese food? Why, why does my sweet pancakes taste like onion? The thing about lemonade, doesn't matter how delicious that lemonade is, if it's in a cup that used to have chocolate still in it, it's going to now be, have this brown tint and it's going to have this weird chocolatey taste with the lemonade and it's going to conflict. The thing about when we are still unclean, the Lord says that everything that we offer is contaminated. So no matter how good the song is, no matter how good the message is, no matter how much you dedicate and volunteer, if, if it's unclean, then it actually contaminates the entire offering. So he goes, I have to address the sin, not because I hate you, but because if I'm going to use you, and if it's going to actually taste the way it's supposed to taste, I've got to make sure I scrub out this extra residue that's still active in in, 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 the, in the pan, in this case, and the people, in our case. The what, then the how. The what is the latter house will be greater than the former. That's the what. I'm going to make this house more glorious than it's ever been. And the how is, oh, i got to address some of the unclean areas so that I can pour my new glory, my greater glory, and it doesn't have any contamination that's going to distort the power and the potency of what it's supposed to be. So that's the first thing he addressed. He talks about their sin. Again, not because he's mad, not because he doesn't like them, but he's called them and he wants to use them. So if God is addressing your sin, be encouraged. He's probably about to cook some pancakes in your life. If God is addressing your sin, be encouraged. He's actually pulling you out of the cupboard so he can pour his glory into your life. But if it's going to be pure, he's got to scrub. Otherwise, it's going to taste like holiness and sin. It's going to taste like lemonade and chocolate. It's going to taste like syrup and soy sauce. It's going to be weird. It's a mixture, right? Let's keep going. Haggai chapter 2, 15 through 19. And now carefully consider from this day forward, from before stone was laid upon stone in the temple of the Lord, since those days, when one came to a heap of 20 ephahs, there were but 10. When one came to the wine vat to draw out 50 baths from the press, there were but 20. I struck you with the blight and mildew, and hail, and all the labors of your hands, yet you did not turn to me, says the Lord. Consider now from this day forward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it. Is the seed still in the barn? As yet the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree 
have not yielded fruit, but from this day I will bless you. There's a lot that was covered in there. I'm going to talk about the first half of it. He goes, back when y'all were unclean, back when y'all were uh, having idols in your life and neglecting me and my house and my cause and you were walking in rebellion and you were walking in your own way and you were, you were uh, filled with dirt and, and things weren't pure in your life. He said, before you repented, and this is important for us to realize sometimes, but God says that I myself, God himself, sabotaged a lot of their lives, a lot of their work. He said, I made it to where you were going to get a hundred of something because you planted for a hundred, but you only reaped 50. Basically, the Lord said, I really tried to disrupt y'all's lives. Like, I had it to where you would go to the ATM and press $75 for a draw to come out and only $30 were coming out. I was making it to where you would order, uh, and I'm talking about a lot of food today, but you ordered three pizzas and you paid for three pizzas, but only a pizza and a quarter of another pizza was delivered, even though you paid for three. Basically, the Lord said, I allowed a season to where you guys were only reaping a fraction of what you were supposed to be getting. And I did that under the assumption that once you realized your life was only producing a fraction of what it was supposed to produce, that you would actually wake up and go, man, maybe I should return back to God. He goes, but it didn't work. I actually allowed your quality of life to go down on purpose, thinking that that's what motivates you to run to me. He said, and even, even though you knew that you were producing so much less than what you were supposed to produce, you still weren't motivated to turn to me. And God, I think it was actually amazed that I just, I just knew that once you realized that things weren't going the way they should go, it would, it would motivate you to, to turn to me. He said, but you still didn't turn even while I was sabotaging your produce. The Lord says that they didn't return until he sent Haggai to directly rebuke them. It wasn't until Haggai came and confronted them dead on. Basically, they didn't, they didn't read the hints. You know how people say, like, take a hint? Like, the Lord was like, y'all didn't take any of the hints that things weren't right in your lives. Like, y'all weren't, y'all were only producing fractions of what you were supposed to until I sent Haggai and I brought it to y'all's attention that this is wrong and you need to turn to me. And they turn to him. And God's kind of got that even if it takes you a while to finally come around, he's happy. He's not going to be like, man, well, why didn't you come sooner? He, 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 he thought that maybe prior, the stuff that I was doing, the famine, all the things that I was bringing, he thought that that was going to get our attention or the Israelites' attention. But it didn't. It was when Haggai came. And we've read this part already. In Haggai 1, they listened and they repented. And they turn back to God. So now they're in right standing with God. And that's the cool thing else to remember. From Abraham to now, we don't have any righteousness of our own. We don't even have any purity of our own. All we have to do is turn to God and his righteousness becomes our righteousness. His purity becomes our purity. His holiness becomes our holiness. So all they did was return back to God and they were immediately counted righteous again. And that's the beauty of this thing called salvation. doesn't matter how much dirt you've been in. The minute you decide to turn your heart back to the Lord, you will immediately be considered righteous again. It's amazing. It's amazing. So that's what happened with them. They, they, after 14 years of neglect, they turn back to God and they start to obey God. Just so you know, the Lord, he doesn't count. Well, he Obedience is synonymous with our love for him. I'm going to say that. When you love God, you obey God. When you love him, you obey him. When you love him, you care about what he cares about. So I say this because during those 14 years, I'm sure that Israel, while they were neglecting the house of God, if you had asked them, I have full confidence that all of them would have said, oh, yeah, we love God. Of course we love God, but the, the love wasn't activated and wasn't recognized by God until not only they said it with their mouths, but they loved him with their actions and actually started to obey him. 
when they started to work on the house of God again, that's what put them back in the right standing because it showed that they've repented. Them starting to build the house of God represents repentance. And repentance is really what makes God know that you are about him and you're about his business. Does that make sense? So he goes, now that you guys are back to me, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you, and you're going to receive the full blessing, not a fraction of the blessing, not three-fourths of the blessing, not half of it, not a quarter of it, the full, the fullness that I have in store for you from this day forward, I'm going to start producing in your life. And I'm speaking to people now that, that have been working at a fraction of the blessings that God has actually called you to walk in and learn from these guys. Don't, don't be so content with the fraction. Don't be so content. When you know that you are sowing and that, that things are not happening the way they should happen, go to the Lord and say, Lord, is my heart really with you? Is there something that's in the way between my heart and you? Is there something that's keeping me from, from stepping into the fullness of what you have for me? Because we learn from this group of people here that when they finally got rid of their idols, which in their case was their own homes, they started to engage back in the house of God. And God says, from this day, I will bless you. Let's keep reading. Let's talk about this blessing, this blessing that's coming. Haggai chapter 2, chapter 2, 20 through 23, sorry. Haggai 2, 20 through 23. And again, the word of the Lord came to Haggai. But the 24th, on the 24th day of the month, saying, speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I will shake heaven and earth. I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I will destroy the strength of the Gentile kingdoms. I will overthrow the chariots and those who ride in them. The horses and their riders shall come down, every one by the sword of his brother, in that day, says the Lord of hosts, I will take you, Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shealtel, says the Lord, and I will make you like a signet ring. I have chosen you, for I have chosen you, says the Lord of hosts. For I have chosen you, says the Lord of hosts. Again, if the Lord is addressing your sin, there's a strong chance that you're chosen and he's picked you to use as a vessel, but he's got to purify you. He's got to sanctify you so that when the new glory and the great holy glory comes into, into your life and through your life, it's not, uh, it's not going to be contaminated or distorted for those who need it. Does that make sense? All right. I'm going to end with this part because, again, there's a lot in here. This last part, he says, I will shake heaven and earth. I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I will destroy the strength of the Gentile kingdoms. I will overthrow the chariots and those who ride in them. So I'm going to destroy the chariots and I'm going to destroy the people who are riding the chariots. He's not messing around. Um, let me explain. I talked about the what and then the how, right? God establishes the what, and then he talks about the how. The what and the objective for this is I'm going to make the latter house more glorious than the former. I am about to create a, a, a house that is going to be filled with so much glory that it's going to be greater than anything that you've seen before. That's the what. The how is, okay, I've got to address the people that I want to use. I've got to address their sin. I've got to get them to repent. I've got to get them to be purified, and then I'm going to bless them. I want to bless them. The way God is preparing for the new house to be greater than the former, the reason, the way that God is going about making sure that the latter house is greater than the former house is uh, a strategy that the Lord uses a lot. Um, some of you guys might be wondering, like, how in the world is, is, the, is the latter house going to outshine what's come before? It's the same God. It's the same spirit. It's the same Bible. It's the same righteousness. It's the same presence of God. Why is it going to be so much more glorious in the future 
than it is right now and what it's been in the past. If it's the same God, if it's the same Bible, if it's the same Holy Spirit. The reason why that the Lord is going to uh, allow or the reason why it's going to be possible for the latter house to be greater is because the Lord is going to raise the demand of the church. He's going to raise the demand. There's a thing called, you know, supply and demand. And um, a lot of businesses, a few handful of businesses found that out in 2020. Because while it was a terrible time for so many of us, depending on the business and the service that you provided, if you were with Purell or if you were with uh, face mask distribution, 2020 was the best year they had ever seen. And the reason why it is is because when the demand for a service goes up, more people flock to it than ever before. The Lord is setting up this world to where the demand for the house of God is going to be so high that everybody is going to be flocking to it. It's the same house of God. It's the same gospel, same songs. It'll, it's going to be the same hymns. It's going to be the same scriptures. It's going to be the same everything. The reason why it's going to be more glorious is not because the Bible changed, but the demand is going to increase. And the reason why he's able to do, the way that he's going to raise the, the demand for the house of God is by literally shaking all things. He says, I'm going to find every kingdom that is not mine, and I'm going to personally destroy it. I'm going to find every ground that is not the word of God, and I'm going to personally destroy it. I'm going to find every light that is counterfeit, that is not truly the light of God, and I'm going to personally blow it out. I'm going to make this world so chaotic. I'm going to make this world so dark that the light of Jesus is going to be the only solution for the people. When things shake, and I know this sounds a bit harsh, but again, the Lord, it's actually his mercy. Because what happens is, the Bible says that we are the light of the world, right? We're the light of the world. Hallelujah. But the Bible also says that the devil disguises himself as an angel of light. So what happens is there's currently right now, prior to the shaking, the world looks like it has a lot of options for safety, a lot of options for salvation, a lot of options for enlightenment, a lot of options for healing, a lot of options for love, a lot of options for life. And the Lord, by his mercy, says, I'm going to personally and with joy shake things up to expose these counterfeit things, counterfeit loves, counterfeit lives, counterfeit truths, counterfeit whatever, and I'm going to shake all things to where people are going to have one of two choices. They're going to let their love for darkness and their love for pride take them down, or they're going to be humbled by the shaking and run for shelter, which when the Lord has finished the only shelter, the only true shelter is going to be the house of God. Some of you guys are familiar with the parable of Jesus, where he talks about two Houses, one built on the rock and one built on the sand. And he says a storm comes to both houses. Now, growing up, I always imagined whenever I heard this parable, I always imagined the houses being next to each other, pretty close to each other, like on the same block in my mind. It's not in the Bible, but in my mind, I always saw them close. And I saw two storms coming on both houses. And the house, of course, you know the scripture, if you, in case you're not familiar, the house that's built on, built on sand the storm destroys the house, but the house that's built on the rock still stands after the storm. So whenever I heard this parable growing up, I always imagined the houses being next to each other and the house that was built on sand falling apart. Now, the residents in this house that just fell apart, the residents that live in the house that's built on the sand are faced with one of two choices— they either let their pride get the best of them and they stay in the elements and remain homeless and eventually perish, or they run to the one house that's still standing. It's not guaranteed, just so you guys know, you would think it'd be guaranteed that when all the houses are destroyed except one, that everybody would run to that house. 
But Scripture makes it very clear that not everybody's going to, even, even knowing, they're still going to let, the, that's why pride is such a, such a unfortunate thing. Because pride keeps you from the help. Pride prevents you from receiving the help. So there are unfortunately many people that even though they realize that the only shelter is the house of God, they're going to let their pride still say, well, I'm just going to remain homeless then. But there's going to be some people who are wise, people like us, that when all of our options failed, we went, I'm going to run to the one thing that's sure. I'm going to run to the one thing that is still certain. And that's how we're here today because we ran to the house of God for help. So give yourselves a pat on the back that you didn't let pride keep you from running to shelter. But the Lord says, I'm going to shake everything, including us. He shakes all things. Even the, even the house that's built on the rock still endured the storm. We still felt the same winds, but the only thing that made us different is that we are still standing after it. So the Lord says, I'm going to shake all things, and I'm going to basically let all kingdoms fail so that it's proven that the only true kingdom, the only kingdom that will last forever is mine, the only house that can endure the storms that I'm going to send to this world will be the house of God. So it gives us confidence as people who are members of the house of God, but also gives us purpose. The theme for this year is I'm a life giver. I truly believe that the house of God across the entire world is like a house that's being prepared for a lot of company later on in the week. When you know that company is coming, you get your house together. You make sure there's enough water in the house. You make sure there's enough food in the house. You make sure there's enough blankets in the house. You make sure that there's enough whatever so that when people show up, the house is prepared. The Lord is saying, guys, I'm shaking all things and I'm setting the stage to where the demand for the house of God is going to be higher than it's ever been. I'm going to make it so dark. I'm going to make it so chaotic. I'm going to make it to where it's going to be such a mess that the only thing that's going to be standing and true is the house of God. I don't know if you guys realize, but God is, God's done this before. This is kind of the way that he works. He works through process of elimination. He basically sets things up to where the last people standing are his people. If you look in 2 Chronicles, when uh, all of the different nations ganged up against King Jehoshaphat and, and Israel, and he, they said, how are we going to fight all these people? And I want you guys to remember this because this is our God. This is how he, this, this, these are his war strategies. He said, I want you guys to sing praises to me. And they're like, sing praises. Like we are surrounded by collective groups of people that have ganged, that decided to join forces to take us out. And they said they began to obey God, even though it didn't make sense. And even though they were in the middle being surrounded by their enemies, they started praising God. And the Bible says that the Lord brought confusion on every other army besides them. And he actually started to turn them against each other to where their enemies killed off each other. They didn't even have to kill anybody. Because the Lord allowed so much confusion to happen with the enemy's camp that they finished each other off. That's how the Lord works. He makes it to where, I mean, he has the power to do this. He says, I'm gonna, he says, I'm going to have brothers kill brothers. I'm going to have people that are supposed to be on the same side turn against each other. And there's going to be chaos. And the Lord says, it's going to be because of me. I think we need to know about that this because, because as Christians, we tend to, link anything that's not pretty and sweet to the devil. We think if it's not sweet and if it's not pretty and if it's not magical and Disney feeling, it's the devil. But the Lord says some of this shaking, in fact, in the future, all of this shaking is going to be done personally by me. And it's not because he wants to see people fall away. He wants to allow the house of God to shine. And for something to shine, light shines brightest in the what? In the dark. So he says, I'm going to allow the world to be dark so that the only light that's shining 
is going to be the light that's in my house. Because you are, guys, the Bible doesn't say that we are a light in the world. He says we are the light. That's a very important article. We are not just another option for life. We are the life. Jesus didn't say, I am a way, I am a truth, I am a life. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And what's going on is our world is filled with a lot of ways and a lot of truths and a lot of lives. And right now, based on the way things look, it looks like Jesus is just a way. He's just a truth. He's just a life. But he goes, after my shaking... After I'm finished shaking the heavens and the earth, it's going to be made very clear that I'm just not a option. I am the option. And he's looking to us, his people, to be prepared for that day. That's why I have been spending the whole year, and I didn't even know, I was, I was talking to some friends, I didn't even realize the full scope of why the Lord led us to talk about I'm a life giver for this year and that we used Egypt uh, and Joseph. Joseph's plan was to, uh, the Lord allowed a, a famine to happen all across the world and he, he actually purposely designed a plan that the only place to get food on earth was in Egypt. The Lord, that's what I'm saying, this is not a new concept. The Lord has done this before, and he's going to do it again. The Lord knows how to orchestrate the world. He says, I'm going to make it to where, I'm going to, I'm going to, tell, I'm going to tell Joseph. I'm only going to tell Joseph this, this plan that I'm doing. Well, we spoke to Pharaoh, of course, and Joseph translated it. But I'm going to let you guys in on a secret. That I'm going to let it produce a lot of, I'm going to let the seven years of abundance. There's going to be seven years of abundance. But I need you guys to prepare. I need you guys to store up things. I need you guys to store up, make, let vats and vats of grain be stored up. Because after the seven years is over, I'm going to allow a famine to hit the whole world. And when that famine hits, the only place that you're going to be able to get grain is under your leadership, Joseph, here in, here in Egypt. And the word that I had at the beginning of the year is I believe that Joseph is a uh, precursor and a foreshadowing of Jesus. And I believe that the Lord is setting up the way and he's preparing this world to where there's going to be no other place to get grain but through Jesus and the house of God. And that's already the way it is. He is the only way to get grain, but the thing about it, there's so much deception in the world that makes you think that he's just one of the many. Because there's all these other people, people saying, you can get grain here. You can get grain here. You can get grain here. And basically, God's going to say, you want to bet? Let me shake things up and show that that grain that you have is not even real. And he's going to allow it all to go down to make people who are deceived. Because there are people who are deceived. There's people that really think they really want the light. They really want truth. There are friends of mine that are really seeking truth, but because of these counterfeits, they're currently under the assumption that that's where they're getting the truth. And the beauty of the shaking is when they realize that what they thought was the truth isn't, those who sincerely want the truth, when they see Jesus, they're going to go, oh, let's go. I want the truth, and you're Jesus. And that's, and that's how they're going to come to the house. The alternative are people who are prideful and never wanted the truth to begin with never wanted the light to begin with. And when they realize that what they were putting their weight on and their lives in fail, and I pray that there's less and less of these people in our city on our watch because we're going to pray and we're going to fast and we're going to continue to ask the Lord to soften the hearts of those who are proud. But the alternative is for them to just be destroyed. And I'm praying that people, when they see us, which is why God is so tough sometimes on his people because we are the, 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 the people that show Jesus. We are the ones that let people know that Jesus is real. Our, the world coming to Jesus is dependent on our unity, which is why when God told the people in Haggai that the greater house is going to be in the future, the next thing he says is, y'all are sinful. Y'all are sinful. Y'all have been in sin. And the reason why he's sin is because if you guys are not available to me, if I can't use you guys and I can't even do my plan, I can't even use 
uh, you guys the way that I want to use you. So he rebuked them. They repented. He corrected them. He blessed them. And he blessed them by saying, I will shake heaven and earth. I will overthrow the throne and kingdoms. I will destroy the strength of the kingdoms of Gentiles. I will overthrow the chariots, the horses, everyone by sword of his brother. And that day, says the Lord of hosts, I will take you. So on that day, after he shakes everything, he says, I will take you, Zerubbabel, my servant. I will make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, says the Lord of hosts. So the reason why the, greater house, the latter house is going to be greater is because there's a shaking going on. Now, during the shaking, guys, I want you guys to, that's why I shared all this, because I don't want you all to misinterpret the shaking. The shaking, the purpose of the shaking is not malice. It's not revenge. The Lord takes no pleasure in seeing sinners perish, just so you know. The scripture makes it very clear that he takes no pleasure in seeing wicked people perish. It's his desire that all of them repent, which is why the shaking is necessary. Because he goes, if I don't show them that the ground they're standing on is sinking sand, they're going to live longer in confidence in their sin. I'm so, I'm so glad the Lord shook my life. He's still <laughs> shaking my life. And as saints of God, as believers, please, this is kind of a warning. The process of elimination, guys, it's a process. And it doesn't happen overnight. And the process is felt even by those who are going to survive. Like, pr the process of elimination Everybody feels it. It tests everyone. And all I'm saying is remember that the process is built to bring people to the house of God. The process and the reason why he shakes things is to wake people up, to go, oh, man, this isn't working. What is? Oh, man, that house of God over there, that's shining bright. That's still standing. That's the only thing that, that's still standing. Let me go and see what they're about. Let me go find shelter there. That's what I believe happened with the people whose houses were built on sand. And when it fell apart, I thought, I, I imagined them running to the house that's still standing and saying, can you let us in? We're hungry. So I tell you that because don't let the process, and hear me out, believers, Believers who are struggling right now, who are weary right now, who are entertaining other ideas right now, don't let the process that's built to bring people to the church take you away from the church. Hear me. The, the shaking process that is designed to drive people to the house of God unfortunately, is driving people who are in the house of God away from the house of God. And I don't want to see that happen to the people in this room or anybody. Don't let the very shaking process that was designed to bring people in the seats to be the shaking that drives you out of the seat. Do not misinterpret this shaking. Know the purpose of the shaking, the shaking that all of us are feeling. Are you kidding me? I have felt this has been so trying for me the past year and a half. But if you look, I started looking up uh, protocols for uh, earthquakes and tornadoes and the instructions are find a wall, find a doorway, find the first floor of something, find, basically find what's solid and hold on to that. The time of the storm, it's never a time to let go of your grip of the house of God. But especially during the storm, especially during the shaking, when things are shaking, that's an incentive to grip your tight, I mean, tighten your grip even tighter. Because it's windy in here, guys. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but 2021 is a windy time. The winds are blowing so strong, and this is the time to, to readjust your grip to the thing that's been promised to stand. This is not, it's never the time to do it, but it's so not the time to start loosening and go, oh, well, let me just see, because you will find yourself like 
the Twister movie where they're just flying everywhere. Like, you got to realize the process is built to bring people to where you currently are. The shaking is meant to drive us to it, not from it. I've seen that happen too many times. I've seen it happen so many times. One of the saddest stories, there was a, there was a girl who was in darkness. She was in great darkness, a lot of sin, and she, she met Jesus. And she, uh, she wanted to come to the Lord. And she was so excited to finally get a break, to get relief from from darkness and sin and deception and she had all these addictions and she was so, I mean, this really was like a sanctuary. She was like, oh, finally, like peace for the first time. And unfortunately, uh, well, I'll say, I won't say unfortunately, she, she found two women. And this is a long story, so you don't even know who I'm talking about. It's old, so don't, don't try to guess. There's nobody that you know. Um, two two girls that were in the house of God. And she was running to them basically like, I want to be with y'all. I want to be where you're at. I've been in the world. I've been in sin. I'm tired of it. Unfortunately, she happened to find two girls in the house of God that happened to be in a season where they were kind of a little bit disenchanted by the house of God. And they started to be more intrigued on what's what's out there. And the girl who's had what's out there, she's running to the house of God and she's trying to get counsel and encouragement from two women that are actually trying to see what's out there. So she would schedule meetings with them to hear about the word of God and they were asking her advice on bars and guys and 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 stuff that she had she was done with. And I saw this thing happen and it was so it was so sad because she was trying to come in and be led by two girls that were on their way out. And I wish I could say that she survived it. But the girl that was trying to come in, because the women that she was depending on to be helping her get in the house, actually helped her go back. And to this day, one of the saddest stories that I've experienced in our ministry. But I think that's a reality that we need to be aware of. The stage is being said. The Lord is making, he is, he is shaking so many things so that people can start showing interest in the house of God. So as we in the house of God, don't, let's not repeat that story. Let's not come across people who are trying to come in the house of God while we're trying to get out of it. Because what's gonna, it's going to do, it's going to, it's going to hinder that person's process of getting in the shelter. Guys, rebuke any curiosity of what it's like not in the house of God. Because you're, you're being shaken in the opposite way that the shaking was meant for. The shaking is meant for the lost to come in. Don't let that shaking deceive you out. That's why I say it's time to be zealous for the house of God. It's time to have zeal and enthusiasm and passion for the house of God. This is not the time to be lukewarm about the house of God. This is not the time to be indifferent about the house of God. This is not the time to be processing about the house of God. Your process needs to be, I was glad when they said to me, let's go into the house of the Lord. That's the processing you need. The process is he who dwells under the shadow of the, dwells. That's the process. And we need to learn how to process. We shouldn't process the option of not being here. Because that will cause you not to be in the house of God. It's very simple. It's a shaking time, and I'm telling you, I feel it. But please, as your pastor, 
Learn from my example. Follow me in that I am tightening my grip to the house of God. Because the alternative, I could be anywhere. So, zeal for the house of God. Um, there's ways to do that. I've talked about it already. Stay in your word. Stay praying. Minister to your families. Get in the word with your family. Spouses, study the word together. Husbands, lead time of prayer for your wife, for your kids. Dads, recite the word of God with your kids. Give them that anchor. Uh, corporately, tithe. Give your offering. Continue to be generous for the upbuilding of God's house so there can be food in the house for all of these guests that are coming. And for us. Serve in the house of God. November the 13th, our serve day. Join with us. Serve our community together. Show our city who Jesus is by, by serving them. And then lastly, the end of the year, December the 5th, we've got our zeal for the house offering. And I want you guys to know that of the things that we give, first of all, I want you guys to decide in your heart, like the scripture says, and give according to the zeal that you have for the house of God. The house of God is the place that facilitates his presence. It's the place that facilitates his healing. It's, a, it's the place that the gospel is preached. It's the place that you receive not only spiritual food, but, 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 but material things and physical food. We can feed people. We can give resources that can help you get back on your feet. That's what the house of God is meant to do. It really is the answer for the world. The house of God is the body of Christ. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. So whatever zeal you have for that, give. And what that's going to do is it's going to bless the local missions of this church, of this city, I should say, the local missions of this city. It's going to create opportunities for people in Nashville to, to have an encounter with Jesus through this house. So I want you guys to be thinking about that. So on the 5th, we're ready to, to give with zeal and with expectation because the shaking has started. And as the shaking comes, we need to expect people who were leaning on things, thinking that it was going to support them and realizing that, man, the only thing that's proving to be true is God's word. The only shelter that is still standing is the house of God. So for that reason, I pray we can continue to build our zeal. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask us to stand because I want to do what the house of God is meant to do, and that's to grow. Grow with new believers. Grow with people who are, who are tired of running, tired of leaning on things that's proven not to hold them up. People who are ready for Jesus. The beautiful thing about the, um, the sin that God addressed the people with he said they were unclean. And as long as they were unclean, they couldn't be used by God. They couldn't, they couldn't be uh, recipients and carriers of his glory. And it's a, it was a sad situation. But that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to take care of the uncleanness that's in us. He came to wash away the dirt and the residue from your past, the lust, the addictions, the bitterness, the resentment, the anger, the pride, all of the things that, that, that make us unclean. And he shed his blood, and his blood wasn't like any other blood. His blood was able to purify. It was able to cleanse sins. And he shed his blood so that people who were unclean like me, 
could say, I believe in Jesus, and through my faith in Jesus, his blood is applied to my life. So all of the sin, all of the addictions, all of the anger, all of the confusion, all of the pride was cleansed from my life simply because I believed in Jesus. Just like that happened for me and so many in this room, that God wants that to happen for you. If you turn to him, if you believe on Jesus, the blood that he shed will wash you totally clean of all of the dirt and all the sin that's accumulated over the years. And the beautiful thing is now you'll be a clean vessel and he'll be able to put his glory in your life. You'll be like that clean pan for some fresh pancakes. You'll be this clean vessel for the pure, unadulterated glory of God. And when we come together, guys, when believers in Jesus come together, it's, it's a glory that this world needs so badly. And I want to add people to that, that glory. I want to add more vessels to this body, more living stones into this, this house that's being built so that the glory will be greater in the future than it's been in the past. So if you're ready to be added to the family, if you're ready to be made pure and clean, if you're ready to be a vessel for the glory of God so that more people can run to this shelter and be free, repeat this prayer after me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. Forgive me of my sins and make me a new person in Christ. Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you've been washed by the blood of Jesus, let's just say thank you to God. Let's express thanks to him. If you've been made new, if you said yes to him, I want you to let us know. Let us know you can text us. And let us know you said yes to Jesus by texting 77411, uh, sorry, 77411. And we'll be happy to share with you some information that will give you some scriptures. It will get you started strong. You can also come down. we got a prayer team that's coming in position. They can pray for you, congratulate you. If you have prayer even outside of receiving salvation for the first time, come down when we dismiss. Let us pray for you. We won't keep you long. If you would like to get more connected to Nashville Life, we've got our, our next steps uh, meeting that's happening right after service. So, oh, is it fifth? Hallelujah. I'm sorry. I did this last time. We don't do next steps on fifth Sundays. So just go home and like, or, you know, go hang out. But we'll have it next Sunday. We'll have next steps next Sunday. And it's really good. Our leadership is there. We'll tell you about the vision of our church. Get you plugged in. Um, but you can text BELONG tonight, today, at 77411. And we'll give you information that way. We, just, but we want you to be connected, if you haven't noticed. Uh, we really want you to be connected because we believe that this house is being prepared for a, a great glory that's to come. Uh, I want to pray uh, dismissal. We also have offering if you didn't give online and you want to give a physical check or cash, the finance team is in the back. They'll be happy to serve you. And um, I'm glad y'all are here. I'm excited for November. And let's pray. Father, thank you again for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for preparing this house for a greater glory. Father, I pray, Lord, that, that your people would endure the, the shaking and see it as a time to just hold on tight, Lord, so that we can be ready and be standing firm 
when people who need you come through our doors. Lord, and we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Bring us back safely, Lord, next week. Amen. Have a great afternoon.